Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share, she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal Series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Needs, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, and welcome, Sarah Ellen. Hi, Susan. How are you doing this evening? A lot of things have been happening. Oh. A lot of things Mm. have been happening. I 
got the exterior of my house painted. Wow. And, it, and it's green now. Are you, which house? The house house. The house. Oh, my goodness. By the tower. Well, what did you so say? The house where the tower is, where the goat tower is. Yeah. Yep, I, yeah. I'm now able to picture exactly what what color green, like uh, what shade of green? Justine said it looks like a kiwi fruit. Oh, nice. The col the color chip said thyme green. Hmm. So the first coats were pretty kiwi ish, but after they get, got all the coats on, and after it's rained a couple of times, it it looks a little more like time, healthy time. Nice. Yes. How exciting. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, yes. Oh, my gosh. And, wow. um, okay, so that was the good news. Um, the good news, bad news is I picked up the T-shirts. They were all misprinted. No. So, it might be as much as another month before we actually have shirts. Oh, my goodness. Oh, no. And they are making good on it, and they're reprinting the whole thing. And if they're going to be great, and we still like each other, and it all went down in very Woodstock way. So oh. I am happy. Yes, I am happy to be part of this community. It was oh. it was very stressful to have to say this is wrong. Mm. Yeah, you know. <laughs> mm. That is very stressful. And, it was, and it was, yeah. You know, it was 75 each, their minimum order of each of the single designs, and 50 of the double designs. So 200 shirts. Ooh. And there weren't any of them that were, as we have been advertising, from their proofs. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. That, well, I'm glad they received it graciously enough that it's amicably being resolved and... Hey, if the shirts are ready closer to solstice, maybe that's just how it's supposed to be. Maybe that's just how it's, you know, I thought that too. I thought, oh, Hypericum, you know, you just have to have it your way, right? <laughs> <laughs> so please spread the word that the shirts are back at the printer's. And wow. we will have very lovely shirts in an assortment of large and larger sizes. So everyone will be, have an opportunity to have a shirt. And thank you for everybody who's pre-ordering. And I apologize that you have to wait yet. Mm-hmm. Worth the wait. Good things come to those who wait. The daffodils are just going absolutely crazy. Did I tell you my new word? 
Daffodilicious? No. This spring uh-huh. isn't daffodilicious. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Places where people planted daffodils 100 years ago, they are bursting into bloom. All Ooh. along the roadsides. Wow. It's just everywhere. So, it's amazing. Yeah. It's so fascinating that they're underneath the soil and you just never know like what the I, symphony is going to be like from one spring to the next. So it's pretty cool. Michael and I were just looking at pictures of the California super bloom. Mm. Heard about that. We, interestingly enough, first stumbled onto a little TV clip of two forest rangers begging people to stay on the trails and don't lie down in the flowers. <sighs> oh, really? Really? <laughs> Were they worried more about the flowers or the people or what was the The flowers. They're very worried about the flowers. It's a super boom. It only happens, you know, very rarely. And the plants really depend on it. So don't go mucking about with them was basically what they were saying, right? Like, leave them be. They're having sex. Enough. Just walk through quietly. <laughs> You're not a uh, <laughs> You're not a pollinator. You crush them. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> wow. <laughs> right? <laughs> very inspire people to do all kinds of things while they're out there, I suppose. <laughs> they are there are so many of them in the pictures I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. And because I know that everyone who's listening feels a bond of loving kindness with me and with my daughter Justine and with my granddaughter Monica Jean, I also want to ask for a big hug from everybody because Monica Jean at 15 is having a hard time. Mm. And Justine is the mom is having a hard time because Monica Jean is having a hard time. And Susan, being the grandmom, is having a hard time because her daughter and her granddaughter are having a hard time. Oh, Definitely a big hug. Mm. Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> oh time three, and then one all together with everyone listening. <laughs> oh, Monica Jean, it gets better. It all seems like oh, complicated and too hard to be solved and too many oh, things. That's exactly the way she says. It's all just too complicated, she says. I can't do it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, you'll get over it, and you'll be ready for more when you because life keeps keeps going, and things are always, you know, have a way of getting complicated. But like you said last week, I think perfectly to someone that when you said um, something about you know your friends now like are old enough to admit when they're full of it, where at fifteen. You know, you think you know it all, and you don't even know enough to say, like, hey, I could be full of it. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. right. I was like, God, but it's so true. It just makes life so much better. People are willing to, you know, like, ah. So, yeah, 15 is tough. Love, Monica. Big hug. I hope I get to see you in May. Yes. yes. Yeah. Good. That's, that's the plan. Yay, I hope. Me too, me too. 
So Justine brought me some um, smoked herring mm. from um, Asian grocery store. And I put it out for dinner. It turned out it's more like a condiment than a food because this is very, very, very heavily salted. It's not just smoked, but it is brined. Oh, my gosh. But I don't want to ever put it away because it smells so smoky and divine. Mmm. I love, love, love that smell. Maybe because my mom smoked, smoked cigarettes when she was pregnant and all during my childhood. And it used to be, you know, that, oh, you know, I would just be walking somewhere inside or out and the smell of tobacco would come to me and I would just stop and take in the love because that was the smell of love to me. And it's so hard to get that tobacco smell anymore because it's so banned. The smoked fish is like, oh, I'm just going to leave this out and, like, smell love all night. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That is such an interesting smell to have such a strong response. I suspect that's why I became um, somebody who wanted to heat her house with firewood. Because I like that smoky smell. I like having a little smoky smell on myself and my hair and my clothes. Mm. Wow. Mm. I love a fire, like outdoor, outdoor smoke. I, I can't say them so much about cigarette smoke, but I don't know. I probably haven't been around really good tobacco being smoked either, so maybe that would change things. Well, I, I don't know. You know, I, I suspect for me that it had nothing to do with the quality of it, simply that it was imprinted on me from the moment of conception, shall we say. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that it was always that smell of the smoke and the tobacco smoke, but mostly the smoke, you know, were so deeply associated for me with being cared for and being loved. Wow. It's so interesting, the different. This week, I put my finger on two things that they're not cigarette smoke, but from my childhood. One was Danning yogurt. There's something about that taste of Danning yogurt, uh, for sure. And then the little cinnamon raisin oatmeal in the packets. (laughs) (laughs) So different than just making my own cinnamon raisin oatmeal. But what a throwback, just thinking about that little packet and all the little writing on it and everything. So I know what you mean. It's just a fun way to travel all of a sudden. (laughs) (laughs) So, what else? What is new at your place? Let's see. Well, the gray shallots that you gifted me last year, I was, I've been wondering, 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 and they, I think every single one is up and looking super lovely. Oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. Um, about, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'll try to put fun stuff outside. The nettles um, are big enough for nettle soup, but I haven't made nettle soup. But I did make my first loaf of bread this week, uh, a sourdough bread. So um, my second loaf I decided just for fun, not, not the nutrition value, but just to incorporate some nettles in there. I put a handful of nettles in the second one. So we'll see how that turns out. Oh, my gosh, um, what fun. 
Yeah, so it was very fun. Yeah. Uh, so um, when Justine was here, we worked on putting together um, a course on post-viral syndromes, including long COVID and chronic fatigue, and um, autoimmune disorders are included under that rubric, too. And one of the the things that's very much off camera is Justine's saying to me, you look like you're in pain. You know, your daughter really notices. And trying to find, you know, what could be done about um, chronic pain, which I can pretty much uh, deal with with herbs. She said, well, obviously you're not dealing with it enough with herbs because I can tell. And I said, well, I've, you know, been investigating things. And she started looking around. And, in fact, well, they've turned out in the boonies, not terribly, but far enough that any real uh, chronic pain therapy is an hour drive away or more. And by the time I drive somewhere an hour and drive back, any therapy I had is gone. So um, I looked through my library, and I found the tapping solution for pain relief, a step-by-step guide to reduce eliminating chronic pain by Nick Ortner. So imagine my surprise when I saw that my guest tonight is Teresa Pelia, who works with tapping. She yeah, is the host of Tapping with a T. Mm. And she works especially with highly complex, highly complex cases. So I think you should come back or stick with this because it's going to be a really interesting conversation between Teresa and I tonight. I haven't even opened the tapping solution yet. So perhaps she'll suggest that I look elsewhere or perhaps she'll tell me which page to look on. Let's see what happens. Oh, this will be perfectly interesting. How long? Wow. Yeah. Yes. I'm happy you have yeah, this moment. That's so awesome. All right. So totally awesome. It's interesting. Tapping EFT is something that I have known about and kind of messed around with for five minutes here, ten minutes there. Mm-hmm. But never paid any kind of serious attention to. Hmm. So perhaps this will be the start of something that I will come to know about, or perhaps it will be the end of my interest. We'll see. <laughs> One could never well, know how it's going to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> oh, and one other thing, because just because uh, and I'm not even sure how to express the utter delight in this, about... Twenty-some-odd years ago, I had an amaryllis. And when the amaryllis was in bloom, I took my finger and I put my finger on the pollen parts, the stamens, the male parts. And then I took that polleny finger and I put it on the pistol, which goes down through the style to the ovary. And 
that made seeds. Mm -hmm. And I planted those amaryllis seeds. And three of them sprouted. And this year they are blooming. Wow. And they're 20-year-old seeds? No, No, it took that many years before the seeds were able to grow into bulbs big enough to bloom. Oh, my word. Now, let me say that I did put them in a bonsai container because they were very small when they first germinated, right? And I wanted to really keep an eye on them. And so perhaps they would have, perhaps if I had been, you know, I'm not like an avid gardener. I'm more like a, let's see what you can do type of gardener, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> not, not like all, you know, coddle you and make sure that you have everything you need, but like, oh, this is where you are on top. Well, let's see how that goes. Right. Right. <laughs> so, you know, someone who is more, you know, on the amaryllis scene quite possibly could have done it sooner and better um, than what I did. But by golly, by gosh, I got a flower, a bunch of flowers. Uh-huh. That is so exciting. 20 years in the making. So there you go. There I go. I just laugh inside every time I see them. And they're oh. a beautiful, beautiful kind of, um, oh, my gosh. They're not like fire engine red, but neither are they orange. But they're not red-orange either. More like a kind of coral, but really deep red in the center. Mmm. Mmm. Yeah. (laughs) Do we have anybody with any questions tonight? We have a hand raised, and I'll remind everyone listening that if you have a question this evening for Susan, please press 1, and then we can see your hand go up in the queue. So press 1, and we will see that you have a question for Susan. Our first caller with their hand raised is dialed in from the 845 area code. From the 845, you are live with Susan. Um, is that is that me? I think that's you. Hi. Hi, Susan. It's Debbie. I'm Hi, sending Debbie. a big hug to Monica Jean. Thank is you. It Mon- Monica Jean. Is that yes. the granddaughter yes. that we see in the videos when yes, she was a little girl? Yes. Oh, I love love watching her pour the vodka. Right. <laughs> I think she was helping you pour the vodka for tincture. Quite possibly. It's about the only Mm. reason that we would be working with vodka. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, Well, I was was um, was wondering. This has something to do with what uh, the course that you said you're going to start. It has to do with. My immune system, I would say since the pandemic started, I I isolated myself quite a bit. And then um, after a long time, I decided to, um, to join up with things. And every time that I would, I would get sick and be sick for like a month or six weeks. And after the 
last time that happened, it happened like three times in a row. I really don't want to want to um I want to uh, I've gone back to isolating myself and you know wearing a mask all the time. And um <clears throat> I was wondering what you might suggest that I could do to build up my immune system. Let's start with the basics. Are you drinking a quart of nourishing herbal infusion a day? Well, except that when I get these um, viruses that I'm catching, then I lose all my energy, and then I, I don't. But in general, I do, yes. Good. Yes, right. I have been doing that, but I am um, 78 now, years so old. Tell me a little bit about your diet. Um. I would say, well, but did, did, I don't know if you heard what I just said about being um, 78. I did. Okay. So my I wasn't is, sure if I was supposed to tell you how old I was. You're <laughs> 77. You might be. You might, oh, you're seven. Oh, you're the baby. I'm baby you. <laughs> <laughs> I never had a big sister. Um, well, so my diet is, is pretty good. It's kind of like, um, and I've been doing what you said about cooking the vegetables longer and having, you know, not, um, raw vegetables, but cooked and like cooked for like an hour or something. Um, and I do that and it's kind of like a Mediterranean diet. All right, so there's some dairy and some fish and meat now and then and some cheese as well as vegetables and whole grains and things like fruit and so on. Yes, yes, it it might be more like a Western price diet. Which would, I'm not sure what a Western price diet is. Well, maybe it's like the Mediterranean diet. <laughs> Which is what I just said. I know, I know. Okay, that's all right. Whole grains, fish, meat, cheese, eggs, dairy products, fermented foods, the normal healthy foods. So when you go out... You go, like, to a movie or you go to the grocery store? I don't don't go to any movies anymore because I'm too too afraid of getting sick. So, But I, huh? I go to a grocery store. And, and, that's, um, and that's and the last time you went to the grocery store without a mask, you got sick? No, no. It seems like if I go to the grocery store, I don't get sick. It's if I get together with other people and I go inside and usually it involves eating and taking off, not wearing a mask and being with a group of people and that usually makes me sick. Okay. So let let me go over what I understand about a mask. A mask protects others from you, not you from others. Okay. 
right? When you have surgery, the surgeon wears a mask. Mm-hmm. So that the surgeon doesn't contaminate you. Not so that you don't contaminate the surgeon, right? Well, I can't wear a mask because I don't think we need The mask is that you keep your stuff to yourself. A lot of people have really depended on hand washing because they understand that especially the COVID virus is pretty likely to come in from your hand to your eyes. Mm-hmm. So whether you're wearing a mask or not, taking care of your hands is probably more important. In other okay. words, if you have reason to think you have a virus that's contagious, it's a very good idea to wear a mask to protect others. I applaud you for doing so. I was first introduced to this concept when I was in Japan. And, of course, you know, as a crass American, I'm like, why are they wearing masks, you know? Are they afraid of me? And, and I was told, no, they're doing it out of politeness for you. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that by where, if another person is sick and they're not wearing a mask, and if you wore a mask... It wouldn't protect you from from maybe not catching what the other person has. It probably wouldn't protect you if you're in close quarters with that person and likely to have touched something or touch them, which is a way to spread a virus because your hands in, whether you're wearing a foot or not, goes to your eyes at some point and takes that virus into your body. Okay, so... So the mask does not protect um, the person who's who's not sick. Why that's, then? That's, that's why they wear shields in hospital settings, right? They wear a mask and they wear shields to protect their eyes. Mm-hmm. And if I'm in a situation where I think, oh, you know, there's likely to be hmm, something going on here. I'm going to put my glasses on. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to touch my eyes if my glasses are on, and I make sure to wash my hands before I do take my glasses off. Okay. Right, most places where you're visiting have a bathroom where you can wash your hands. In fact, well, most, people um, are a bit, most people yeah, are a little so. bit inured to hand-washing at this point and probably wouldn't take you for obsessive-compulsive for washing your hands more than once in their place. Okay. And I think, for, I think given what's happening, it's probably more to the point for you to keep your hands to yourself and keep your hands washed. All right. What are there, is when, there any? When you get sick, how long are you usually sick for? Um, a month or six weeks. And in what way are you sick? Um, I guess um, some kind of a respiratory thing, and then I just like lose all my energy. 
Do you keep dried mullein on hand? Can I you do make have your, some. Can yes. you make yourself a mullein infusion? Um, I I did I do try to do that. Yeah. When I when I it get lasts, it lasts like really a long time in the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. So you know, brew up a bunch for yourself, and cut it with some milk, some good quality milk, which is one of the great healers to the immune system. I often say that milk is the essence of herbal medicine. The animal that's mm-hmm. making that milk has only eaten plants. That's right. And given the choice, they will go after the dandelions before the grass. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. They like they like their weeds. My goats are out there eating the uh, first flush of leaves on the wild roses. Oh. Well, is there some, what um, would you suggest that when I'm well, to mm-hmm. so that not, not to catch another um, virus, that besides having the, um, the well, infusions that I, I take? Would, I, would probably add to my, I would add to my daily regime some sauerkraut. Okay. Even if even if it's just a spoonful or two, some elderberry syrup. I keep a jar of elderberry syrup in the refrigerator at eye level so that I see it when I open the refrigerator. And Mm. if I need it, then it's right there. Right. And um, astragalus is a wonderful immune system helper, and so is Shisandra. And Shisandra, interestingly enough, has some reputation as being a respiratory helper. What is that? How do you, how do you spell that? S-C-H-I-S-A-N-D-R-A. Shisandra. Oh. It's a okay. berry of a vine, and it's said to restore chi. You know what chi is, right? I do. It's like the life force energy. Right. But it also restores jing. And jing is ancestral energy. How do you spell uh, uh, G? J-I-N-G. Okay. And it also, so it restores your life force energy, it restores your ancestral energy, which some people call your genetic code, and it restores your spirit energy or your soul energy. Oh. Is this some, a really is this something an interesting is, berry? It's called the five flavor berry. Think we friend, can find uh, it. Where do we find it? You probably um, you could grow one if you have a garden. They grow pretty easily, and it, in lieu of that, you can buy the dried chisandra berries. They're pretty easily available. 
like laughing, like just... actually laughing. Um, Montauk Chia, C-H-I-A, like the seed, and I think it's M-A-N-T-A-U-K, Montauk Chia has a book about um, a laughter meditation. And in short, um, what you do is you sit down and you look at a clock and you laugh for a minute. And when you're comfortable laughing for a minute, you do that every day for a minute, then you laugh for two minutes. And you keep lengthening the time that you can actually sit there and laugh. And then his book goes on because you take that laughter into each of your organs. So you begin to laugh in your liver. You begin to laugh in your heart. You begin to laugh in your gut. You begin to laugh in your brain. And you do this day by day slowly, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm told that when someone has to room with me, they tell me that I laugh in my sleep. Oh, I wonderful. I do a laughing meditation, if not out loud, internally, as I'm drifting off to sleep. I found the perfect way to end the day. Oh, gosh, another one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Whoa, Virtually every 
white person who went with or observed Native peoples harvesting berries noted that not even the children ate the fresh berries. Oh. But they dried them, and usually after they dried them, they pounded them with meat. Oh. One of the reasons I ask about your diet is that I frequently find that people who are having immune system problems don't have enough meat in their diet or don't have enough fat in their diet. Both of those go together nicely, especially animal fats mm-hmm. and fish fats. You might want to see if you can bring that up. A little bit. And then the other thing that's occurring to me, which you probably already know this, is that essential oils are quite devastating to the immune system. Right. All right. So if you haven't if you haven't already, start looking at what might be containing essential oils around you and shifting over to non-essential oil things. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Well, you've given me a lot, lot to um, work with, and um, thank you very much. And I'll get back to you in a month. Thank you so much. Green blessings. Good day. Green blessings. Bye bye. All right. And it looks like we've got two callers that have pressed one to let us know that they've got a question. And our next caller has dialed in from the 504 area code. From the 504, you are live with Susan. Good evening, Susan and Sarah Ellen. Um, How wonderful to hear from you. Thank you so much. It's so great to hear your voice. I was having, I had a question around the differences and the ways to incorporate tinctures made from Uva Ursi, Bearberry versus, oh, I forget the name, Bergeris, Vulgaris, something like that, but Barberry. Barberis, Barberry. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. And I wanted to find out, are they both anti-infective and in what ways do we utilize for short bursts if we have an acute infection versus may be preventative and something that like echinacea can kind of go both ways depending on dosage. Thank you. Yeah. Barb berry, which sounds like bayberry and bearberry, is berberus. And berberus, as I understand it, is a plant that was brought to North America from Europe because of its usefulness as food and medicine. It it has become established as a landscape plant, and it holds the berries up above the snow, and the berries are clinging, so they are there for birds all winter long, which means the birds carry those seeds far and wide. And berberus is now kind of a major understory plant in northeast forests, which is maybe good, maybe not so good. The 
compound berberine, which is an alkaloid, was first found in berberus. Thus, it's named after it. Berberine is oh, in golden seal, right? Yes, ma'am. And it's also in coptis. Mm. It's in Oregon grapefruit. Oh, okay. And it's that kind of bright yellow, maybe, yes. component? Okay. Yes. And berberine is an especially effective antimicrobial in the pelvic area. Okay. Got it. The further down into the barb berry plant you go, the more berberine you get. So get down into the roots, you're going to have more. Many people just use the bark from the above-ground wood, which is pretty darn yellow and bitter. Mm. Okay. So you could use the leaves, but in fact, there's so little berberine in the leaves that they were... You push them to shove, used as a green, not cooked, but you know you can you can eat them. Mm-hmm. The berries, of course, are free of berberine. Thank you, and pretty good to eat. Beauty berry because they're oh. red, right? Beautiful dangling red yeah. berries above the snow. They're really, really quite pretty, mm-hmm. and feed a lot of wildlife. I mean, they've got their definitely have their uses, and here they are. You know, food and medicine. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. The earthy is a lower growing plant, and it is usually the leaves that are used. Bears berry. Uva earthy. Arctostaphylos. What a cool name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so. Uh, I like that arctos in there, that image of it. It is um, an iconic herb for me. My childhood malady was bladder infections. And I was given boatloads of gantrosil. And in college, I met a public health nurse who... By the way, mentioned that the antibiotic usually given to young women to deal with bladder infections was causing kidney failure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And this is the early 60s. Better living through chemistry. What? Yeah. You cannot wow. be telling me that something that doctor gave me could harm me. And she said, well, how do you feel when you get up in the morning? I said, like everybody, I have a backache. She said, no, that's your kidneys. Mm. Right? I'm like 17. I have a backache. What? So the next bladder infection I had, I was able to cure with Uva Ursi. What? How did you know you use it? So this is, so wow. To me, it's an iconic herb. It's like, <laughs> 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 Oh, 
Oh my God, fanfare! <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> hey. Does that mean it will for everybody? I don't know. You know, there's so many really excellent herbs um, mm-hmm. that can affect the pelvic area and the urinary tract, mm-hmm. and. I've come to really like corn silk a lot. You have to kind of get mm-hmm. it on your own. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, the Uva Ursi is from the heroic tradition. Mm. Right? It's a kick you in the kneecap herb, and that's okay. Sometimes we need that. Okay. Okay. Right, but we can, we don't have to necessarily go there first. Sometimes we do. If the woman, you know, is like really taken unawares or has let it go too long, then, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, right? But even then, I would think more toward yarrow. Ooh, yarrow tincture. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Because Madam Yarrow kicks in the caps, right? <laughs> <laughs> the ninja, that's right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Ow. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Okay. And and yarrow also is particularly effective in the lower part of the body. Mm. Okay. Okay. Can you talk about um with yarrow what's your guideline for maybe dosing? And frequency, if any. Yes, if any. Every time I'm given a class on dosage, I walk away shaking my head and going, well, you just really made that a whole lot worse for everybody now, didn't you? It's it's really important to have the right dose with the drug. Yes, ma'am. It's the most important thing about the drug is getting the dose right. You can't really have a right dose with most herbs. There are some herbs that are so drug-alike or verge so much on poisonous, they're probably better off using those as homeopathic remedies than trying to get the dose just right. Like foxglove, let's use that as a drug or homeopathic remedy and not use it as an herbal medicine. Right? Right. So... When, especially when I'm working with an infection, a bacterial infection and herbs, my sense is that the reason most people prefer antibiotics is you can take it and forget it. And with herbs, you need to keep repeating. Yeah. You got to stay present, stay conscious to what's happening. You have to keep Mm. taking it, you know, and, Mm -hmm. you know. You may get better results, you know, with 10 drops every hour than with a dropper full every four hours. Mm-hmm. But we won't know that as a passive do the health thing to me, my body, versus I'm right. in my body and it's talking to me and I've got allies right. who are conscious. They're going to tell you. You're going to tell me, hey, hey have, have you taken any of me recently? Come on. Exactly. Right. So when you were talking about having the the um, elderberry syrup in the fridge, something happens that it triggers what we could call your imagination or whatever you need to call it. But you know, let me check in, and there's this 
call and response that happens spontaneously, but no one talks about that. So I really appreciate you sharing your practice. So thank you. You're so, so welcome. I see that for many people, the plethora of herbs seems very complicated and confusing. Mm-hmm. And so systems spring up to kind of um, say, well, then use this one for this kind of person and this one for this kind of person. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying anything wrong with that at all, but there's also you as the kind of person and what you have confidence in through use, your usage of it, which then gives confidence to the others. And it's very rare that that they don't work. Any of them probably would work, right? Right. Right. And especially if combined with a glass or two of cranberry juice or cranberry concentrate in water now and then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. It seems like any anywhere along the process where you try to avoid relationships, <laughs> you're going to miss out on a healing opportunity. And incorporating everything around you um, and within you is really the goal anyway. To me, that's optimum health. I really needed to hear that tonight. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I don't want to take up, I'm sure there's more folks waiting, but you know, that's what you inspire. So thank you for creating this container and being so welcoming and generous. Thank you. Green blessings to you. Thanks for your call. Good night. Love you, Susan. Green blessings. Love you, too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. And uh, we have one caller that has pressed 1 to let us know that they've got a question, and they've dialed in from the 808 area code. From the 808, you are live with Susan. Hello. Hi. Hi, Susan. How are you? Enjoying the hugs. Hmm. I wanted to ask you to speak more about ice cream. You mentioned some months ago about the healing of ice cream and sherbet, and it was just a brief comment, but I've been waiting to talk to you and learn more about that. Well, let me think about what there is to say about that. Well, what it was that I did say that you heard, it's possible that what you heard was when my body was basically refusing all ordinary reasonable food 
Uh, I'd have great meals, and I would sit down to this great meal, put some food on my fork, raise it halfway to my mouth, and my body would go, you must be kidding. No way. My daughter suggested that what I do, I was living in New York for the six weeks of my radiation treatment, and she said what you should do is just go walking whenever you come to a store that sells any kind of food, you go in, and if anything at all appeals to you, you buy it. And even if you take a bite. That would be good. And I actually got some things that I was able to eat that way. The only one that I was able to eat again was green tea gelato. (laughs) And there would be times when I would wake up in the middle of the night and wander to the freezer and eat green tea gelato. It's like the sustaining thing for me there when I was in recovery in the hospital and due primarily to the drugs they were pumping me full of in a very depressed state. The only food that I was willing to tolerate was a chocolate milkshake. Mm. So for me, ice cream is a ground zero food. When there's nothing else that is tolerable, some kind of very good quality frozen frozen fruit dessert, frozen gelato, frozen right what what's available to you, what you desire, what's going to carry you through right in the hospital, I wasn't going to be ordering up green tea gelato that wasn't coming up for me, but sure enough, they did the shake. I would have preferred a chocolate malt, but hey, all right. Again, not quibbling. Malt is a very good source of B vitamins. Really rounds out your chocolate milkshake to add that malt powder. Are we still connected? Yes. I, I just finished a chocolate milkshake. <laughs> so I'm digesting that and your words. Yeah. So of course then, right? If you're going to enjoy that, then you want to invest in a milkshake maker, mm. so that you can use the ingredients of your choice. Yes. If I have to get a malt. Outside, I tell them to hold the syrup. And then I am getting milk and ice cream and malt powder. Which is probably not as good quality as what I would serve up at home, but tolerable. And without the syrup, right, cutting quite a few grams of sugar and calories. Right. In fact, if they look like the type 
I'll ask for extra malt powder. <laughs> <laughs> Yum. Yeah. <laughs> well, I had called you a couple months ago, and this is what has kicked off my interest in ice cream. I had a tooth extracted, and it became infected. It developed dry socket in the the hole where the tooth was pulled from, um, and I ate a lot of ice cream to get me through that time of healing in my mouth, and I've continued to eat a lot of ice cream, and it's bringing me a lot of happiness and joy. <laughs> so I've been thinking about what you've said. No food foibles. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> right, we can trust ourselves to feed ourselves well when we give ourselves good choices. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Susan. Thank oh, you and for one calling more thing in and about sharing with us, and I'm glad that you are through that painful and distressing episode. Yuck. Oh, yes. Thank you. <laughs> one more thing I would say about milkshakes, too, is they're more hydrating than water, right? Much more hydrating than water, yes. You can find <laughs> the study, I think it was done at the uh, University of Glasgow in Scotland, rating 13 beverages on their ability to hydrate in water is like near the bottom third of the list. Skim milk is actually at the top of the list, and soda pop, even soda pop, is better than water. (laughs) Too bad they didn't include nourishing herbal infusions. I suspect it would have beaten out Gatorade. Oh, for sure. For sure. (laughs) Well, as always, thank you for everything you share. It's such a pleasure to listen and learn from you. Thank you so much. Green blessings. Good night. Green blessings. Good night. All right. And I'll remind everyone listening, if you've got a question and would like to speak live with Susan this evening, please press 1 so that we can see your hand go up in the queue. And at this time, we have one caller that has raised their hand, and they have dialed in from the 724 area code. From the 724, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. How are you? Hi. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I am so thankful for all of the hugs I'm receiving tonight. Thank you. I am so happy to hear. Um, My question is regarding chickweed. Um, So I was recently prescribed a medication by my doctor, Wagovi, for weight loss. And um, I have decided that I am not comfortable taking it just because of some of the side effects. Um, So I looked in your book, Healing Wise, because I thought I remembered reading something about chickweed a long time ago, and I want to order some chickweed to kind of aid in the steps I'm going to try to take to lose a little bit of weight without the Wagovi, but I was a little bit confused on if I should focus on making a chickweed infusion or if I should work with a chickweed tincture? Infusion. Okay. Mm-hmm. And 
what I find most successful is don't eat the last bite. Don't eat the last bite. Don't eat the last bite. I can work on that as well. We boomerangs on us if we try to make really big changes to our diet or really clamp down on ourselves. But if we make it a habit to not eat the last bite, it changes our relationship to it. Um, I think that is my problem usually. I try to make too big of changes and then I end up going in the opposite direction and and eating all of the food and and consuming all of the stuff because I am anxious because of my restrictions. (laughs) Yes. Yes, it doesn't work. It doesn't work to restrict yourself. You know that. You've already tried it. Yes, I have. Instead, don't eat the last bite. Eat everything you usually eat, but don't eat the last bite. Okay, I If you need that. to, put the last bite on a special plate and put it out for the ancestors or the fairies or something. Oh, I like that. I could try that. Hmm. And with chickweed infusion, I can just... Should I take that every day or should I just rotate that in with, um, right now I only have nettle and oat straw. Should I rotate it in with the nettle and oat straw or I should would, I just take it every day? I would day? say certainly rotate it in with the nettle and the oat straw. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that is wonderful. Thank you so much. You are so welcome. I also encourage you to do whatever you can to find 10 minutes after you eat to move. Okay. You know, what really struck me was I was reading about sumo wrestlers. You know, sumo wrestlers in Japan, they're like big, right? Yes, aren't they like huge? Huge, huge right? people, I, yes. I was curious what they ate. Well, they eat pretty much the same that other Japanese people eat and not that much more of it, but they have to nap afterwards. Maybe that's my problem. I feel like I get very sleepy after I eat and I want to nap afterwards. So it turns out that if two people eat the same meal and one gets up and exercises for 10 minutes afterwards, they're going to burn calories at a far greater rate all day long than the person who naps after the meal. Okay, that's a good idea. I can try to do that as well. Yeah, and that again, that lets you eat more freely. Um but it will in some ways, you know, if you make it a habit to move after you eat, you're going to be a lot less likely to have a midnight snack. Okay. Not that it's, there's anything wrong. If you have a midnight snack, then you're going to, even if it's walking around the house, you're going to move for 10 minutes. Okay. So even a snack, just move afterwards, 10 minutes. Yeah. Doable. Okay. Is that doable for you? Yes, absolutely. That is very doable. It seems so simple. It's just something that I've never done. Yeah, baby, you can have that. Hold on, please. Perfect. Perfect. It was a child. How? How? Really perfect, right? If you can't do ten minutes, do five and come back and do five. You know, after it. I understand. Kids, you get interrupted with everything. (laughs) Well, he will help me move for ten minutes after my meals. I'll give him that. All right. Yes. Perfect. (laughs) 
<laughs> that will that'll be a fun thing. We can do that together. Um, that's exciting. Um, okay, and the okay. and the chickweed is gentle enough. There's no like time limit, oh, right? Mm-hmm. I can just I can just. Well, I famously quote uh, another herbalist who wrote a book called a myth called I call it the Honest Herbal, in which he said. Do you know that someone actually proposed that chickweed is a useful herb? It can't be a useful herb. It never killed anyone. <laughs> I like that. So, so, there so you good. Have it. That, that's good news. Good news. It right? can't be a useful herb. It never killed anybody. <laughs> if only I had enough in my garden. I found a little tiny patch, but not quite enough to... But it is an item of commerce. You can buy it from Frontier. Okay. I will absolutely do that. Um, Thank you so much. You are welcome. Green blessings. Good night. All right. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Green blessings. All right. And it looks like at this time, I'm not seeing any hands raised. I'll remind everyone, if you have a question this evening, please press 1 so that we can see your hand go up in the queue. Um, We actually do not have an email question this week, but I will remind (gasps) everyone. Yeah, I know. I know. Everything must be going so swimmingly well for everyone. Or maybe... Really? Marvelous. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Um, also could be that people are wondering what the email address is to send a question to. So I'll share that. It's uh, wisewoman at herbshealing.com. So um, that out there while we have just a moment of everyone feeling well and without questions. Um, what would you like to do? I can add, I can give you some of my own questions if you would like. <laughs> sure, you got questions? Okay. All right, sir. Well, I, I do have one because I came across um, a food recently that I should have known it was a food, but years and years ago, like my first time ever going to a body work person, they recommended to me that I take a supplement called natopinase because of its effect on vitamin K in the body, and um, I was having a lot of migraines, and their idea was this will help your blood flow more freely um, because it has the effect of things in the blood. So um, recently, I it dawned on me, wow, I wonder where that comes from because I came across it again a few times for some reason. And um, so there's the food, natto. I'm sure you're familiar with it, but uh, yes, it's a from, it's a soy food, a fermented soy food. Yeah, so I'm just curious what your thoughts are. I went ahead and ordered some that is like as close to fresh made, homemade as possible, I guess. And then I thought if I liked it. Oh, oh, uh, most Americans won't eat fresh natto. It looks gross. So, yeah, that's why I'm asking. Yeah, <laughs> it looks like black slime. Oh, it looks like it's um, something if you ate, you would be in big trouble, like sick for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think, you know, it's not quite as challenging as durian, but it's up there in terms of food challenges to really, Uh, most people I know use dried natto, like powder. Ah, and that used what is it and what does it even taste like 
fermented soybeans. Okay, I've never kind of like I don't kind of like you know, miso tamari. Um, um, uh, uh, what's that moldy one? Um, tempeh. Ah, it, okay. It, it, it doesn't taste bad. It just tastes kind of. It's the texture. It's really, uh-huh. it's really, really a textural problem because we're just not. Um, we do not assign smiley faces to slimy textures. Right. <laughs> right. It was literally strings of slime in the picture. They had the fork going into the bowl and lifting the, yes. the fermented beef. Yes, oh, very high quality nachos and strings of slime. Mm-hmm. Mm, yes. <laughs> It's up near from somewhere in New York, so it's uh, we'll see. She did we'll have see, recipes right? on her, so uh, okay. Well, interesting, okay. interesting. Yeah. Um. So that Not, was, I guess, uh, my biggest. You know, it was one of those soy foods that was really like, oh, you know, soy will save the planet, and natto just was like the you know the briefest little star, like natto bye. <laughs> Okay. Oh, <laughs> and so, Tempe, let's face it, didn't really take off either, now did it? No, I didn't. Like right, we had to stop serving it at the Wise Women Center after we had people projectile vomiting. Ew, yikes. Yes. <laughs> In the last herb conference I was at, they actually served a tofu dish. And at the end, I kind of went back. It was tofu, and there was like some kind of mushroom topping on it. And everybody had taken the topping and left the tofu. And I thought, mm-hmm, they'll learn. We don't eat it. Thank you. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> it's right mushrooms. No thanks. Okay. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh, pretty um, funny. That is pretty. Well, so, I remind everyone. About pressing one, if you have a question while we're chatting away, um, please do press one. And I want to reassure you that it's not too late. It really is not too late. I know you've been meaning to do your shorts all this time. Every month you've been hearing Susan and Sarah talking about the Hypericum Conference, about St. John's Wort and St. Jones Wort, and you've been thinking, I'm going to do a short. This year is the year I'm going to do a short. But you haven't gotten around to it. Well, it's not too late. You really can do it. I was talking to somebody whose dad has a just a really superior relationship with Hypericum, and he's been meaning to do it. And she said, come on, Dad, you have to do it, and this is the last time I'm going to nag you to do it. You really just have to do it. And it turned out that he was like kind of shy, kind of camera shy, and she said, well, you know what? You don't. It doesn't have to be your face. You don't have to show your face. And so mm-hmm. he got a way to, like, prop up his camera and turn on the video because he's a potter. And so what you see while he's talking about Hypericum is he's throwing a teacup. Wow, that's so cool. Isn't that wonderful? Mm-hmm. So a short really is just that. It's just a short little video of you even, you know, doing pottery or whatever, right? And, like, I'm not, I made hours and hours of videos of me reading the books, and you don't see me at all, right? All you see is the book. So it doesn't mm. have to be 
you know, your face to send in a short. And it's not too late. And, yes, it can be really, really short. And the most stunning one, the one that I have talked about the most from the Comfrey Conference, was 43 seconds long. Right? 43 seconds of a Comfrey patch. Mm-hmm. So even a very short, short is acceptable. Get those shorts in. This is the last call because it's soon now. It's so soon now. Oh, my gosh. Right. It is just around the corner. And remember, with the shorts, too, that's a way to um, access the conference without any payment is to submit a short. That's Oh, that's exactly right. Yes. You submit a short, Mm -hmm. and you get in for free. That's right. So just another reason to do a short. You don't even have to show your face, and there you go. There you go. Easy, easy. Um, well, I am still not seeing a hand, um, so I do. I can. I can ask another question. I'm happy to do that. It's yes. I have to ask another question. Okay. This is also just. Uh, so okay, I have. We have a lot of cats in the house, and I very different from our other cat, and he refuses to eat the food that I serve the other cat. What do you think is too long to go? without feeding him what he really wants to eat, which the reason I've tried that for now a year, but it's just creating disruption because it's pulling the other cats to want to eat what he's eating, which is really low-quality kibble. And um, I would just prefer him eat something with more moisture in it. And I definitely don't want our other cats switching to kibble um, from what they were enjoying before. (laughs) So... How long is too long to wait before I give him what he wants? So you generally feed your cats food that has moisture in it rather than dried food. And right. you you adopted a cat that doesn't like food with moisture in it but prefers kibble. Right. Right. And so for once, that, once that kibble is available, your other cats go for it. And then refuse the moisture food. Exactly. Exactly. And I've tried feeding them in another room. I'm feeding them at another time. So what what do you think is the attraction? (sighs) The crunch, maybe, but also something about the flavor. Because I tried buying him a different kibble, and he does not like that. Um, he'll switch kibbles if it's either a variety of flavors in the same kibble with lots of food colors and lots of flavors, or he will eat it if it's a seafood um, kibble. But uh-huh. the one that I have, uh-huh. that's just chicken uh-huh. and, and plain without any food coloring or any frilly flavors like cheese or fish, he doesn't want to eat that. But he won't eat a can of tuna either. He just won't eat it if it's not that texture. Maybe it's like the natto. It's a texture thing. Um, Maybe. Maybe it's a texture thing. I taught one year at a holistic veterinary conference. 
and I went to some pretty interesting sessions. And one of them was a session on um, feeding animals that was done by Purina. And I was quite impressed. And the presenter was talking about um, people who try to create for their pet a good enough diet and how doomed to failure they are and how preferable the kibble is. Even over and, like a canopy? I'm sorry? Even over, like, the canned Purina? When I worked at the pet food shop, that was the biggest standout difference to me. Like, in all of the pets I saw and in all of the everything, I saw people spend so much money. And some people would spend a lot of money on raw, and some people would spend a lot of money on kibble, and some would spend a lot of money on cans. And at the end of the day, when their animals would come down with something, it was so often had to do with their kidneys, most often, um, and their second to that, just their liver. But the biggest difference in all of the food, and they're all like AFCO approved, like by the industry, was the moisture. And the cans were had to have a minimum moisture of 90%. And the kibble could only have a maximum of 10% moisture. And I was just like stunned by that as to how like the same animal could do fine with either moisture. So I did get that stuck in my head, and I have been forcing yeah. it on him, but that's where it came from. <laughs> well, I, I mean, that's what I'm hearing is that they, their natural inclination um, is probably to what's going to feed them better. Hmm. Wow. The other possibility is to um, let them bridge the gap. Maybe, you know, like some people like sprinkles on their ice cream. Maybe they get crunchy on top of their wet food. <laughs> That's what I've been doing to the other cats that are, you know, trying to abandon the wet right. food. Right, they're trying to go... abandon their wet food. Give them some crunch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I feel like, you know, now it's like that one kid gets the special thing. So I feel like, I don't know if it's that it's more nutritious or tastier because the right. nutrition profile is the same. It's just that one formula has no moisture. Well, and, you know, liquid like, and the other one doesn't. Of course, you have to be sure that there's plenty of water available. And I, right. you know, up until the cat that I have now, I have always said both moist and dry food. I've left dry food pretty much at the cat's preference, having the bowl full all the time, and given them moist food once or twice a day, depending on the cat. Okay. Maybe that's a medium I could at least try. And maybe that just like a kid, if they can have it and they've been told no before, they probably won't have as much as they thought they wanted when they couldn't have it. <laughs> that's my guess. All right. Well, that was fun. Thanks for troubleshooting yeah, that and, with but, me. But, but the cat I have now will not eat anything except kibble. Right. Oh, I, I have cat, cat before. Cat treats. Like she, she's very happy to eat cat treats. 
<laughs> Do they have to be crunchy too, or will she eat a soft? Oh, treat? there's got to be crunchy treats. You bet. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Texture. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I just need to bond with him over this texture thing because I have that too. So. Uh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm having a very uh, fun time. Uh, right. Who was it that wrote that silly, silly, uh, uh, was it Garfield the Cat? Yeah. We love those little mousies, and mousies good to eat. Da-da-da-da-da-da, crunch their little feet. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. Wow, we do have one who's a mouser. He leaves them headless often. It's like, oh, sorry, we've got another mouse. (laughs) Yes, that's the line I left off. I thought perhaps that was too crude for the audience. <laughs> yeah, the feet part was kind of made it kind of. That's a little feet. That's a little cuter, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you are so uh, fun, Susan. So is uh, Teresa with us? She is. Yes. Teresa Piella supports those dealing with highly complex cases of chronic illness and trauma patterns that may have lost hope in their ability to heal with terrain-centered nutrition, deep listening, and brain rewiring techniques. She empowers her clients with self-healing tools to reclaim their center, rebuild their confidence, and ultimately heal themselves. Teresa is tapping with a T. An EFT and brain rewiring community for self-healers on the non-linear path. Welcome to the show. And forgive me if I mispronounced your last name, Teresa. No, you did it perfectly. I'm very impressed. Most people don't get it the first try, so well done. Okay, thanks. (laughs) Uh, Well, I don't know if you heard the very beginning of the show that I was talking about um, the fact that I have uh, known about tapping. Uh, certainly, you know, it's been around. EFT and tapping has been around for decades. But that it has not been um, very high on my to-do list. <laughs> you know, a lot of people say that, and I think it's, there's a lot of skepticism around it, which I think is good because when you finally – get to experience it and your body responds a certain way it can be I think that can be the catalyst so I I would say it's not something to force but when life presents it in such a way that it finally feels like the right thing then I'd say it's a good time to use it well I'm thinking that it might be my next step to deal with the chronic pain syndrome that 17 hours of surgery left me with Ah, yeah, you know, in terms of the clinical trials, a lot of people with chronic pain are finding relief. It's it's been shown to be clinically effective for pain relief on top of other things, but I I would be curious to see how your body responds. Have you have you done any sequences before? I haven't. I have in front of me the tapping solution for pain relief by Nick. Oh, yes. Yep. Theirs is really popular. Again, mine's more, my tapping app is a little bit more focused on the chronic illness and more mystery illness crowd. But as you know, pain is a huge part of that, especially in the fibromyalgia and Lyme community. So I have a 
couple of videos specifically for pain, but yeah, it's, it's definitely. All right, and where can people find those videos? Oh, so great question. The app you can find um, anywhere you download apps, or you can just go to the website tappingwithtea.com. And I still offer a free trial. So if people are skeptical and thinking, I don't know about this tapping thing, I would say it's worth trying out some videos and just seeing if you feel better. And I'd say that's the indicator. If you yawn, if you feel more relaxed, if you notice your pain drops from a 10 to a 7 or even dropping to a 9, those are all great indicators that something is shifting. Excellent. That makes it easy. Now, Perhaps we have gone full speed ahead, and there are those going, tapping? What, are we tapping sugar maples? What's going on here? (laughs) You're right. So if I had to explain it simply, it's kind of like acupuncture without the needles. We are moving energy and allowing the brain to process traumatic emotions and memories in ways that it maybe couldn't at the time the traumatic event happened. And it's similar to EMDR. I wonder if, you're, if your listeners are familiar with that in the sense that it really is allowing the brain to move through what might be stuck or kind of firing or wired in such a way that the brain still feels like the threat is real. So we're essentially tapping on specific pressure points. They're based on Chinese medicine while moving through specific phrases allowing the brain to shift out of that fight, flight, freeze, or collapse mode and maybe into a more neutral, if not more hopeful perspective. There are different techniques as to how to do this. I would say most tapping sequences, you're following along, you're moving from point to point, and the tapping practitioner is guiding you because I think a lot of people wonder, what do I say? How do I do it? But eventually you get to the point where you can do it on your own, which is my hope for everyone that you can kind of use it as needed. And when you feel like you need a little bit of extra support, realizing that we do have these self-healing capabilities and it's only a matter of taking a couple moments to tap and to regulate and your body will thank you after the fact. <laughs> All right. So this is something we can do for ourselves. Yes, and I... That's maybe what drew me to it originally because with my own health journey that I won't get into today, I I wasn't finding relief in the ways that I hoped. And even, even other modalities that had so much promise, my body wasn't responding too well. And I was kind of written off as a mystery case, um, you know, so, told by so many doctors and naturopaths and healers that they didn't know how to help me. And, you know, it was kind of up to me. And I think that was actually what made tapping so intriguing to me because I actually would feel a profound shift after doing sequences and realize that the more I understood how I needed to shift and how I could support myself in those moments, the easier it became. And you, you don't need anything fancy. You just need yourself and, and your fingers and your and your mind. And it makes it easy for those moments where maybe you do feel overwhelmed with pain or anxiety or you can't sleep or you find yourself ruminating about something, it can be really nice in those moments just to take a couple seconds or a couple minutes to shift. There are not hundreds of tapping areas. There are just eight main tapping points, yes? You know, it depends who you ask. A lot of practice, I shouldn't say a lot, but 
some of the original practitioners actually use more points. I think there's a total of 16, but it's been simplified over the years. And I think the tapping solution with Nick Ortner, I think they also use the simplified uh, tapping points. But I, I still notice, it's, for me, it's just as, as effective and with working with clients using the simplified version. Um, but I'd be curious, actually, to compare. I'd, I also... I also tend to keep it to the condensed version, but I haven't used the the longer uh, extended tapping sequence points with clients in a very long time. So do you have to use a tool to tap? What do you use? Oh, good question. Actually, no, we're just using our fingers, and it, it's not – It's a we're using some pressure, but it shouldn't hurt. We're basically – it's kind of like a light, soothing tap, like kind of like if you were to tap someone on the shoulder – Someone that maybe you know. <laughs> right, right, right. Yes, yes. So the top, do you start at the top of the head? So actually, when my style, I like to start on, it's called the karate chop point. It's on the side of the hand, and I'm kind of using my thumb and my three middle fingers and making almost a little, yeah, a little tapping, a tapping device with my own body, and I'm gently tapping the side of my hand. and. It's interesting. It lines up with the small intestine in Chinese medicine. So I think some people notice even after just doing a, a short sequence, they have to use the bathroom. And you know, a lot of a lot of the people I work with deal with pretty profound constipation and bowel issues. So I think that right there can be amazing. That just tapping on these points can get things moving. So does it matter which hand you use to tap? It doesn't. As far as the clinical trials show, it doesn't show a difference. And I'm left-handed, so I'm using my right hand to tap onto my left hand. But as I go through the sequence and moving through the points on the head and the face, I'm using both hands. But I have seen a few practitioners that just use one hand, and they're only doing one side of the face. But something about me likes the symmetry. I would say go with what feels right. Right. So collarbone under the collarbone chin under the eyes mm -hmm. the nose collarbone mm -hmm. chin under the nose eye eyebrow top of the head mm-hmm yep sides of the eyes mm -hmm. so really kind of right up conception vessel what's that the uh, primary meridian down the front of the body is called conception vessel I didn't even know that. It goes from the top of the head to the perineum. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm I, curious at the extended sequence. I, I just have a feeling it might be more profound, just thinking, again, of hitting those points and moving more energy. I'm not sure when yeah. they decided to shorten it. I think it was a matter of making it more accessible for people that right. maybe were rolling their eyes and thinking, what is this mystical woo-woo thing? But that's what I love about the recent research that they're finding it's really effective even across language barriers, even when people don't understand oh, wow. what they're supposed to be saying. Isn't that incredible? That is so wonderful. When this tapping, do you go tap, 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 or do you go tap, 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 uh, fast tapping or rapid tapping, and it is moving really quickly, but, you know, I find that to be a little over-activating, especially for people that might be 
dealing with PTSD or dealing with extreme anxiety or panic, I like to use it more as a tool to regulate and maybe come back to more of a parasympathetic state. So I would say it's kind of a tap, 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 but sometimes I will intentionally slow it down or linger on a certain point if I can tell someone, you know, is feeling a little overactivated or if they're, you know, tearing up or in the process of crying, I really like to slow it down and be gentle because I wouldn't want to move something faster than the nervous system can adapt. Yes. Yes. So the tapping is activating the nervous system. I mean, you, one of the phrases you use is rewiring the brain. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So I see it when when we are stuck in a stress pattern, and really it's the classic post-traumatic stress state, but I think all of us have it to some degree where we might even be ruminating over a certain thought or maybe stuck in a delusional cycle of negative thinking and we're not even really aware we're in a trance. I think it can be helpful to break out of those patterns, and sometimes it's as simple as bringing awareness to those thoughts and getting curious about them, but then also what makes tapping pretty interesting to me is that it's actually allowing us to integrate maybe the new or more desired thoughts. Because I think a lot of us would like to feel happier and calmer and more joyful or more peace or more radiant, all these qualities that I think we're drawn to, but we don't really know how. But I think when we can start to imagine it and almost as if we're locking it in or solidifying it with these tapping points, then it becomes easier in day-to-day life where maybe we get triggered and then we remember, oh, you know, instead of reacting explosively or shutting down or shifting into panic, I would really like to laugh this off or I would really like to be easy about this or be peaceful about this. And, oh, you know, I remember I did that tapping sequence yesterday and I could feel it in my body how much more supportive it felt to slow down and to bring in some humor and bring in some comedy. So I think it, it kind of primes the brain to respond differently to triggers that we might be habitually responding to in maybe maladaptive or destructive ways. I always see that we will choose the most elegant solution we're offered, but many people are offered very inelegant solutions. I like the way you put that. Yeah, I think sometimes we forget that we're allowed to be light and sweet and silly about things because, I mean, when we're in a stressed state, it's hard to remember that that's an option. But like you said, if all of a sudden we're reminded that there's a better way or a a way that actually feels really good to us where basically everyone wins, the people around us even feel better, I think there's something about that, back to the rewiring, that it starts to become our a more habitual response because I think we all, again, deep down, we want to feel better. So when it starts to stick, I see it almost like it's building momentum and it becomes easier to choose that elegant response. Wonderful. You mentioned that you wanted to tell us about your healing journey. Oh, you know... Every time I'm asked about this, it's, it turns out to be a 20-minute response. But if I can condense it, it's it, essentially I was I never really felt well, even as a child. And over the years, 
it, my symptoms seemed to intensify, and they were mostly related to anxiety and panic and GI disturbances, just extreme bloating, which then progressed into sleep issues and acid reflux and trouble with my vision, just feeling kind of dizzy and wobbly. And fast forward, it turned out I had chronic Lyme disease and co-infections, but what complicates the story is that the treatments actually made things worse, mostly in the sense that I started to become kind of identified and fearful and completely overwhelmed with everything and had lost the ability to even imagine myself well and healthy just because of how sick and depleted I had become. Just over the years, it seemed to have gotten worse and worse and the the traditional route of antibiotics made things work and then a lot of the herbal routes that I wanted so badly to work as well were causing extreme Herxheimer reactions as well. So it kind of felt like this catch-22. But to fast forward through all the messy parts, it was eventually realizing that if I couldn't put so much emphasis on finding the right protocol to feel better, the one thing that I could control would was my thinking about the matter and changing the way I thought about my body and actually realizing that, wait a second, my body is on my side. It's not attacking me. It's not letting me down. Even the spirochetes, the, the Lyme infection, see them as these innocent creatures that had found a comfortable home in my body as opposed to these evil demons that had overtaken and corrupted my cells. It's just so many mind flips and so many perspective shift, shifts was what I think then allowed me to calm down enough to then find more of the dietary and herbal tools that I think eventually got me to the place where I am now, which I would say is the healthiest I've ever been as a 31-year-old. Um, healthiest I've been as a human. Healthier than wow, I've been hooray! Younger. younger. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Oh, marvelous. Marvelous. You know, someone said so succinctly, having a good attitude is not going to make me well, but having a bad attitude is going to make me a lot worse. <laughs> yes, and I think that's it because it's not about bright-siding. I'm never asking someone to just say, I'm getting better and better, and I believe in my healing, and one day I'll be perfectly healed. That's not it, but it's more about this honesty of maybe something more in line of, you know, I'm scared I'm going to be chronically ill for the rest of my life, and that terrifies me, and I want nothing more than to feel well, and even when I doubt my ability to heal, I would love to experience health and energy and pain-free existence again, and I think something about that honest approach is what works better for the brain, and then it becomes easier to choose maybe more hopeful and more positive thoughts that aren't lacking uh, a sense of authenticity. Perhaps one of the the most formative books I ever read was Your Body Believes Every Word You Think. You know, I... I I believe that because I think I think our cells are more intelligent than we give them credit and if we are if we're kind of teaming up with them and realizing that we get to 
yeah, that we get to coordinate and that we get to cheer each other on. I think it does, it, it really does allow for something greater. I, I love that quote. I haven't heard that before. Mm-hmm. And so many studies, you know, exploring that and really showing how, um, how our brain is, you know, very happy to uh, produce exactly what we're telling it it's supposed to. Mm. <laughs> Again, yeah. it doesn't mean you can wishfully think your cancer away or that your good thoughts will make you get better, but it does mean that your pissy thoughts are going to worsen the situation. They definitely will. There's no question. Yeah. You might as well, you know, add um, a smile on your face because it will make everyone else around you feel better, as you say. And so how does the tapping do that? Does the tapping do that because we are feeling more confident that we have something that we can do for ourselves? Or is it actually like a rewiring uh, of the brain that allows it? I think it's a combination. I think it's that sense of empowerment, that in and of itself can be healing when we realize, wow, we get to be the ones to step in and support our bodies. Because I think in the the Western model, and no judgment, but I think we've been conditioned to think that someone else is going to step in and save us or someone else has an answer that we don't have. But I think when we start to realize that we can be inspired by others and get insight and get ideas, but ultimately we know what's best based on how it feels, and that maybe choosing to try to support our bodies in ways that don't quite align with what we need at that moment. More often than not, we get these little cues, but we've, again, been, we've been taught to ignore them and just, just trust the expert. But I think, yeah, coming back to what feels right, that empowerment can be really inspiring. And then I think back to the rewiring, when we start to have moments where we realize, wow, I actually do feel better about this, or oh my gosh, in the past, I would have reacted this way. And now I'm reacting in this more relaxed and elegant way. That feels really good. I think that positive feedback loop inspires more, yeah, more motion in that direction. So there's that. And then again, more of the the clinical side, looking at the studies, it's actually bringing down cortisol it's lowering heart rate or regulating heart rate variability, bringing it back to a place that shows that the body isn't in a constant state of hypervigilance. There are indicators that certain inflammatory markers will improve. I think certain things like cholesterol will even improve. It's just pretty amazing, which to me is just more evidence that the body is showing signs that it's feeling better and it's not feeling so stressed. But I'll have to think about that more. That's a really good question. I feel like it's 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 coming from different angles too because I think even tapping with a a practitioner that you know really cares about you, I think there's something really healing about just being seen and witnessed by someone that believes your story and also wants you to heal and maybe has experienced some hardship as well but knows that there is healing on the other side. I think that all plays into it. Yes. So tapping is primarily something that one does to oneself, but you can be tapped by someone else. Is that what you just said? So that's a really good question. Some, uh, 
practitioners do tap on their clients. I do all of my sessions via Zoom. So I'm tapping on my face and then my client is following along or if they're watching the app, they're just following along. I like that style better personally because then I want I want my clients to know that they can make it their own. So say we're tapping on something and it really resonates, they can go off on the rest of their day and maybe they need a little boost later in the evening. They right. are already comfortable with, oh, I was just doing this earlier in the day with Teresa. I can yes. move through these points. I can move through these phrases again and almost bring back or elicit some of those same positive states um, in a way that feels comfortable for them in a way that also makes it so that I don't have to be in their house. <laughs> <laughs> not quite there yet, but we are coming to the end of our time together. So I want to ask you if there's anything that you wanted to talk about that I haven't asked you about. Oh, Susan, you, I mean, your questions have been incredible. I'm, I'm happy to answer anything that's come up or anything that your listeners have brought to the table, but nothing specific. I, I mean, my, my closing thought would be just, again, I, I always encourage people to keep their skepticism and to still try it and let the body be the judge because I think the body, like you said, the body doesn't lie. And when the body feels better and feels more relaxed and feels more regulated, we're on to something there. We can build off of that. Things heal in that state without having to force positivity. Yes, yes. And tell them again how they can find you, please. Yes, they can find me at tappingwithtea.com to sign up for the app or the, the free app trial. And I'm very active on Instagram, actually, at Living Roots Wellness. Hmm. The tapping can be done at any time, but mm-hmm. we do know that there are certain rhythms that we that we have internal clocks, mm. those circadian rhythms can be used to strengthen what we're doing. Is that true? That is something I haven't thought about, Susan. But I would say, for people that find tapping to be activating or maybe energizing in a good way. I would encourage them to use it earlier in the day, but some of my clients notice that it really down-regulates them and kind of gets them in more of like a trance-like sleep, a, a state ready for sleep. But I haven't thought about it in terms of lining it up with the circadian clock. I need to look into this. I met Gay Luce through my association with Jean Houston. They're very good friends. And Gay was actually the researcher who first noticed there were circadian rhythms. Very fascinating. Wow. Um, Women, the whole idea that, um, you know, that there are times when different things are more active in the body. We certainly see that if you can schedule any surgery for early in the, the earlier in the day you have the surgery, the better you'll probably heal from it. 
Mm. Yeah, I think that's so important to look into. I really like looking at the the Chinese medicine clock, even to see, say, if someone's waking up at a certain time to maybe get some insight as to what might be coming up emotionally, and then we can tap on it, say it's, you know, during the time of grief or during the time where maybe it's associated with liver and anger. Then we've got maybe one step closer to understanding what might be triggering some of their other symptoms. Yes. How fascinating talking with you, Teresa. Thank you so much for showing up and being here tonight. What would you like to leave in the minds and the hearts of everyone listening to you? Oh, that's a great question. And it's advice that I wish I had when I needed it. But I would say, even in your darkest place, if you can just remember that if you're in a valley, if you are, if you feel like you're at the rock bottom, know that there are also peaks, there are also high points. And sometimes it's a matter of just, even when you doubt that the healing is possible, just giving yourself time. And time can often reveal some of the things that we might not know how to get to, but they're, they're delivered in certain ways. That it, it pays off to wait. It pays off to be patient, not to force a sense of hopefulness, but just to hang on. Nick says, though I'm feeling frustrated with this pain, I choose to feel calm and patient and release it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think that's a beautiful perspective shift because we could fuel the frustration or we could acknowledge and honor and validate that the frustration is very real. And all, I always like to ask my clients, okay, well, how do you want to feel? We know how you're reacting right now. We both know that it doesn't feel very good for you. How do you want to feel if you don't need to be frustrated? If we could let the frustration transform, if we could let the emotion go and choose something that might really serve us, how do you want to feel? And that's it right there. That's it. Mm. We are reweaving the healing cloak of the ancients, and I appreciate of the vibration you have brought into this text. Tapping, and I hope many of the listeners tap their way over to tapping with a T and to Teresa to find out more about what this might be. We have gone into just a little bit of it tonight, this uh, very deep and thorough practice. Uh, Nick has this uh, beautiful tree illustration here in the book with limiting beliefs at the bottom and then events in the trunk and branches of emotions and finally arising up into the symptoms and the tapping tapping he's suggesting uh, lets us fly like a bird away from that whole tree. Mm, I love that imagery. What? Beautiful image. Thank you, Teresa. Thank you, Sarah Ellen, for joining me in restoring herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. And thank you, every one of you who's listening right along. Green blessings and good night.